Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. My name is Joel Sixty. My name is Sarah. <laughs> My name's Aaron. And I'm I'm Randall. <laughs> This week was Alphaville from 1965, directed by Jean-Luc Godard, written by Jean-Luc Godard, and Godard, Godard, no D. Yeah, yeah, Godard. Well, it's, it's spelled with a D. I, you know, I'm just doing the French pronunciation. Godard, 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 Godard. Jean Luc Godard. Jean 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 Luc. I wish I wish I'd known that Jean Luc. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Starring Eddie Constantine, Anna Karina, and uh, look at the voice of uh, the robot. Oh, it doesn't actually say. Hmm. Uh, the voice straight out of your nightmares, Joel. <laughs> uh, Howard Vernon played Professor. The Nosferatu. devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the devil. El diablo. <laughs> As the voice of the thingy. So we got a guest. You picked out this movie. Tell us about yourself, Randall. Oh, gee, um, yes, I am the Randall. Here's and, the Randall. Yes, and uh, I'm a film director of very small movies. Um, I've made a, a couple. Uh, one of them you can find on Amazon. It's called Far Away. And uh, yeah, I'm I am a bit of a cinephile. I watch a lot of movies, and Godard is kind of my specialty. So I'm. Glad to be here talking about Godard. Cool. cool. Thanks for coming. That's yes, awesome. thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Of course. Check out his movie on Amazon Prime if you've got that. Yeah, it's streaming on there. Very nice. Far away. Mm-hmm. We'll put links in the show notes. Cool. Thank you. Does Godard have any other movies that are sci-fi like this? Mm, uh, not that are as explicitly sci-fi as this, I would say. Okay. Although he does have a whole bunch of later works that I haven't delved into right. too deeply. Um, but I think most of them are beyond genre, even. No. They, they can't be pinned down to anything. Oh, cool. cool. This is definitely noir sci-fi comedy-ish. Yeah, he's he's above comedy. So oh. he, is, he is both always funny and never funny. He, he is so deadpan with... <laughs> Yeah, just like life. <laughs> you know, if you ever listen to like an interview of him talking, like it's uh, it it's hilarious almost the entire time, but you never get the impression that he thinks he's funny, or possibly maybe he is always trying to be funny. It, like really, you can't. He is inscrutable. I think so. He's like Tommy Wiseau or Wiseau. Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. Yes. 
Yeah, kind of, except more, a little more competent. <laughs> a little. <laughs> not director, I just think. Uh, I'm not sure if he's trying to be funny or if I've, I've he met Tommy Lisa. Oh, you yeah. have? Yes. Was, oh my gosh. It was quite an experience. Did uh, you go to a screening or something? I, I have gone to a screening and seen him, but then I also mm. um, went to a convention and met him. Oh, cool. And cool. Got, got a Blu-ray signed by him. That's really cool. cool. Did, you, did you get him to sing Happy Birthday, dude? I, 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 I'm sure I could have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was just waiting for someone to ask. Oh. Ha- have you seen uh, the, ha- the House That Drips Blood on Alex? Do you know no. what I'm talking about? Oh, was, so did a, he did like a little like... A Halloween horror movie thing. Really? Yeah. It's it's worth your time if you haven't seen it. Wait, what? You can just find it on Vimo or something. It's just it's a very short, very short film that he made. I think it's like on college humor or something. Is it on college humor? Is that where it is? Oh, I hadn't heard of it. They did it with some he did it with I found it on Vimo. Well what I'm saying Uh, is whoever the the group that he did it with. Sure. Sure. It's 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 it was it was pretty amazing though. I'll look it up. Yes. Yes. The house that drips blood on Alex. So that's the end of the Tommy Wiseau podcast. Uh, <laughs> good, good, good. We'll see you next week. Cool. How'd you get us in this puddle? <laughs> I was just talking about people that are funny, but they might not actually be trying to be funny. Oh, yeah. Jean-Luc Godard, director of French movies, in case you couldn't uh, figure that out based on his name. One of the famous directors in the French New Wave movement. One of the few that's still alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I saw his movie last year, Goodbye to Language 3D. Oh, yeah. And uh, it is much more difficult to follow than this movie. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, there were things that were very linear in this movie. But then there were some things that just weren't. The basic plot was <laughs> like it's pretty straightforward, really. Yeah. It's just embellished with a lot of madness. <laughs> yeah, lots of poetry, well put. lots of really funny. Uh, what what's going on here? Stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that endless spouting of philosophy. That's very Godard. Like he he appears capable of just creating slogans and of philosophy like infinitely. He can just go on and on. And his characters often do. Yeah, I thought, you know, we haven't really watched a lot of Godard, but I definitely saw elements of this that I've seen in other things. Mm-hmm. What have you guys seen? Um, Let me look here real quick. This is my first. Oh, wow. This is my first. Well, congratulations. I, yeah, Welcome. I loved it. It's cool. I know you've seen A Woman as a Woman. Yeah. That's one of my very favorites. Yeah, I think I think I've watched that twice. Did you do two or three things I, I know about her? Mm-hmm. Yes, that is, that is like one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, really? Yeah, that that is uh, him starting to really branch out into just essay filmmaking. Yeah, it's like I mean, I saw it in the time where I was just learning. Actually, there's only these are the only three movies that we've seen. Woman is a woman. Two or three things about her in Alphaville now. Mm-hmm. Mm. We tried to watch Breathless once. Oh, that's a different director. Oh, who no, is Breathless that? is him. Oh, it is. Breathless is his debut, or um, unless it, you're you tried to watch the remake of Breathless with Richard Gere. Yes, that one. Oh, no, that's no, no. One. <laughs> no, the the first Breathless with uh, uh, Jean, uh Belmondo. That's uh, 
That's Godard's first feature. Yeah, One of the guys too. looked like it was it the same actor, do you know, that was in Breathless that was another actor in this? Um, I don't think so, but I mean, I'm, there might be some crossover. Yeah. So he, he made these all very, very quickly. Like, what year is Alpha Bill? I mean, it's 1965. 65, yeah. Yeah, and he, he did Breathless in what, 60? Says 1960, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, he was pumping out like two movies a year. During during this whole era, and often like without anything resembling a script, he started and just kind of like like the there's lots of stories from the actors that they would go on set and have no idea what the hell they were going to do, <laughs> and like the camera would roll and Godard would like whisper to them like say this, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then would like leave and oh that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Uh, for the format of uh, two or three things I know about her, it's, I mean, there's somebody off screen is just asking the actress questions. Mm-hmm, so it could have mm-hmm. been fully unscript, except for certain things like when people are walking around with bags on their heads. Um, <laughs> this movie seems like it, it must have been scripted. I think you probably had, uh, yeah, you know, it, it does seem almost oddly uh, uh, coherent and scripted. Um, some of the movies, like, uh, right near this same era, like Perel Defoe, are like way looser than this thing. Yeah. Mm. Maybe I'm thinking of the lead in um, "Woman Is a Woman." Though. That's that's yeah. Uh, that's Anna Karina, or the girl. Um, the guy, the guy uh, that she was with in it. I don't think either guy is in, in this. this. Those, those yeah. that's Jean Paul Belmondo and um. Yeah. Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Yeah. But the other one. Yeah. yeah. The other one. <laughs> the guy that's wearing blue. Right. <laughs> yeah, Braley. Braley. Yeah. Bomondo is the other one that is also in Breathless. Maybe you're remembering that. Maybe. How, how did you guys like this like as sci fi since you guys are focusing on sci fi? Like, Very good. There were some interesting things. Um I like the constant uh, dialogue on about like galactic phone calls and like <laughs> um i don't know i just found that to be interesting the idea that oh you know i'm gonna make a planet phone call or no i don't know i'll make a galactic phone call today it's, you know it's just so casual <laughs> yeah like, the sci-fi setting like all they do to like set up that like you can kind of space travel is that he drives a ford galaxy and like that's it was so that's cool. enough like oh i guess you can travel through space in that it's yeah. called galaxy <laughs> I've got an Astro van. (laughs) It seemed like there was a lot of um, nonsense, nonsensical things um, that were like, like almost kind of farcical in some places. Mm. Like, Um, I guess, I guess I just kind of feel like they were embracing like the chaos that like occurs naturally in life. And they were just trying to kind of, mimic that like maybe show some like punctuation of odd things happening Mm. kind of as a way to analogize like how random life is or something i don't know Mm -hmm. well i mean yeah godard's methods often like integrate whatever the hell was happening on set or whatever uh improvisations came up so yeah they often yeah are interrupted by little everyday things instead of the way a movie normally sort of operates where it's all very smooth. Yeah. So you think that a woman was standing on the desk and he was like, no, no, stay there. We're going to film. Take your clothes off. (laughs) Take your clothes off and get into this jar or whatever. (laughs) This box. Okay. 
So we do a short synopsis on this. Give, give me a few sentences. What is this movie about? Just oh, for boy. people who've never seen it. Uh, well, um, uh, Alphaville is about uh, <laughs> so Lemmy Caution, who is played by Eddie Constantine, travels to uh, the city of Alphaville, um, ostensibly as a journalist, but um, I believe he is actually um, uh, undercover in some sort of way and searching for Professor Von Braun, who I uh, formerly known as uh, Professor Nosferatu. Uh, and he has to go there and do things. Like it, it is never incredibly clear, but what is clear that it, is that he must find this person and that Alphaville is oppressed by uh, technology and uh, principally by this supercomputer called Alpha 60, who uh, is an omniscient, uh, omnipresent uh, computer creation whose hideous voice um, often comes up blaring on the soundtrack telling us things. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it, why yeah. would you say it was hideous? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, in, in some ways, it's quite lovely. Yeah. But, you know, if you have an appreciation for that sort of thing. But it is very deep and growly. Do you guys know how that voice was achieved? Do you know? I, I, I was guessing a trach. They, they, yeah, basically, he. Uh, I, I guess that performer... Um, doesn't have they lost his voice box or something mm-hmm. yeah and he taught himself how to speak again oh, without the wow. use of it so the, but the, of course the way it sounds is very very deep and uh throaty i was yeah. gonna say very death yeah. metal yeah <laughs> <laughs> like he like he sounds like horrible but like awesome yeah. oh yeah like, yeah you kind of just want to hear more of it yeah it was definitely a change in the movie when you know you're, you're hearing the main character's dialogue and while he's going along and then out of nowhere this voice just appears yeah. and you're just like whoa because it'd be a normal everyday thing like like well everyone was so casual about it too like there's no sudden like like this is just <laughs> no every day surprised. Yeah. this is just every day <laughs> you were saying earlier like do you want to make a, a local call or a galaxy call Oh, can we make a galaxy call? The vote lines have been down for seven days. <laughs> like, out of nowhere. Like, everything's perfectly. And then, like, super loud. Mm-hmm. Like, ah. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, freakish demon voice technology. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> you make me feel like a natural woman. <laughs> Yeah, that hurts to do sometimes. No. <laughs> so I I kind of think of this movie as like um I don't think that Godard cares at all about science really. No. <laughs> or about the genre of science fiction. But I mean he seems to have like an understanding of a lot of the sort of tropes and such, but he doesn't care at all about making like like they use uh, light years as a measurement of time mm. and say outrageous things like that. Oh, 150 light years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, Alpha 60 was a computer that was 150 light years more advanced than, than other technology. <laughs> That's really advanced. It's so advanced. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, does he really just not know anything? Does he not? Does Godard not know what a light year is, or is he Maybe. making a parody, or like, did he just write whatever he thought of and didn't analyze his own? thoughts about well, it some people use the term light years in that sort of aspect like oh man that's light years ahead of what we're doing <laughs> you know I, i've heard that before but i feel that, that, that instead of it being like like some sort of like 
just like messing around or not not a true statement he was like very literal about that like mm-hmm. very like this is 150 light years more advanced than anything you've ever come up with ibm general motors no alpha 60 you know it's like whoa <laughs> General Electric. throwing out, throwing out a lot of like crazy illusions like like oh man did did flash gordon succeed yeah. oh yeah oh my gosh that was one of my favorite quotes code name or something i was thinking they were like those characters actually existed and he was like referencing it was again very literal like flash garden has already tried this mission and failed yeah 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 is is dick tracy dead and then the next was flash gordon like that was literally like and then cookie monster (laughs) (laughs) i just thought since that other guy's codename was nosferatu that Mm. maybe they were all like spies that was the same mission i don't know last name it was (laughs) why he didn't have it changed earlier we'll never know I thought maybe he was re- repurposing the word like he did with the Bible. Like, the Bible is now this other thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe light years are now something else. I don't know. Parsecs. <laughs> I, I felt like the claim in this movie was that Alpha Vild was supposed to be ruled by logic. Yeah. But the problem is that I didn't feel like it was <laughs> at least at least from from rational twenty seventeen Aaron Cornelius this didn't seem like a very logical. Well, maybe that's maybe that's the problem. <laughs> isn't yeah, it? yeah. That's why it's not functioning right. Mm. Yeah. Um, maybe you're just not logical. Enough. That's what I'm trying to say too. Maybe I'm off. Did you guys like their method of execution? I was just going to oh say. Oh my god, that was <laughs> that like. Was <laughs> That was one of the parts I laughed out loud at. Like, the guys would just, like, say, like, slogans of freedom and stuff, and then step onto the plank and then get shot and then fall in. It wasn't even, they weren't even shot enough to kill them. They had, they fell into the pool and then the, the women, <laughs> women went and swam after them and then they appeared to stab them to death. <laughs> in the pool. They got very weak bullets in that. That's what happened, because later... When he's trying to escape, uh, the main character, somebody like sh- shoots at him like point blank at his car. It's because their bullets are really weak. That's why. <laughs> um, but but he's got like a space gun, right? Yeah, and that's why he can like murder face yeah, everyone. The good bullets. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> These bullets are 150 light years ahead of uh, their bullets. Makes sense. Everybody else had cap guns. <laughs> it is. It isn't very logical to have guns that can kill people. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is like a science fiction movie where, like, they. It's kind of believable, or at least you sort of get into the mood of it being in the future. But not a single set was built. There's almost no costumes. Yeah. I mean, I think there's no costumes basically. No, just clothes. They they just make it so crazy that you accept it as the future and also use architecture that looks kind of modernist. Yeah, totally. I, I think that's like the part of the reasoning for the super crazy method of execution is that like it's so wild that you kind of get on board with this being the future. Oh, yeah, totally. It reminds me of the 10th victim. And the way people were getting killed in that movie, like there's there wasn't normal ways for people to get killed. <laughs> no, no. This one to me felt a little bit more like the vulnerability of man, like like kind of kind of an exaggeration of how if a man like allows himself to feel, then he's then vulnerable to be like. I don't know, over dramatically killed in a pool or something. I don't yep. know. 
weakness. Yeah, I think that I think that comes that does come off as a sort of theme that like yeah everyone is afraid to feel because because that will have unfortunate consequences of having to feel bad things too. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, it's kind of bizarre that the person who comes in to sort of free Alphaville and teach them all to have emotions is this super hard-boiled detective who doesn't appear to have a whole lot of emotions. No, it's just <laughs> rough. Like he, he just comes in and he is just like hard as nails. He slaps a woman, then he shoots a man like immediately upon <laughs> arrival. I mean, maybe they thought he would be fine because he could blend in easier that way. Oh, okay, okay. Being a person who's unemotional, but obviously the one emotion he couldn't deny was lust. Uh, <laughs> love. Love is what I meant to say. And, and what were the two things he liked, Joel? He liked women and like gold. <laughs> and Professor von Braun very astutely offered those things uh-huh. to him at the very end, but he he turned down that ultimate temptation. Should have brought out a golden woman. Those are the <laughs> only two logical things to like. <laughs> if you're a man, what else do you need in your life? When when he's offered those things, like Godard doesn't like cut to a close up of Eddie Constantine like acting, you know, like showing like, oh God, I want that, but I don't know. Like he, Godard just does not care. <laughs> And like, just goes straight to him like shooting him. He doesn't require anyone to have any facial expressions except for Anna Karina. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the love scenes, like, he says something sort of loving to her, and then it cuts to a close-up without him in the shot. Right. <laughs> but who wants to look at his smug? Yeah. And it's it's just, like, you just obviously, like, a husband filming his wife and being like, yes, you are pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that is pretty prevalent. Yeah, I think she is really pretty, and mm. I think I think she was like really striking looking, and everything I've noticed her in. I actually I only heard about Godard after like I was on the Pinterest like beta thing because all of these images of her started coming up, and I was like, who is this person, this actress? She, and, yeah, she's like a style icon. In yeah, some ways, especially def- for the new wave. Definitely, because yeah. Godard. Kind of was like, I mean, in terms of movies and images, he was the style icon um, of that era. And, of course, Santa Karina's in most of his movies. Yeah. She really takes to his style very well. Like, everyone else has trouble sort of coming off as an actor. Like, especially in this movie, like... Um, you know, they don't get a whole lot of time to emote and time to act. No, they don't. But you can tell, like, she kind of already gets Godard's style and anytime the camera's on her she's kind of turning up the volume whether or not she appears to have been given any direction she definitely feels like she's more a part of the world than anyone else yeah I agree with you on that yeah totally I felt like everyone else was either just trying to like well I'm gonna act like I'm drunk in this room some or... of the actors look just bewildered <laughs> yeah, like, that's you'll, absolutely... <laughs> you'll see that a lot in the Godard movies <laughs> just kind of almost like they're ready to shrug or something like yeah they were told to like stand there and take three steps to the left and then look behind them and they're just okay I'll do it <laughs> oh my that's, gosh that's rough <laughs> <laughs> that's acting okay <laughs> I liked a lot of the, the, the camera angles, though. I, I enjoyed, like, like a lot of the movement when, like, actors were just talking and walking. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was just interesting. Uh, yeah, he's a real image maker. Like, it, it, what's really interesting about Godard is um, each movie of his really has an incredibly different style. Like, when you see Breathless, like, it 
totally invents a new style that is sort of reverberated throughout the years, like using the handheld cameras and the jump cuts. But then his very next movie has an entirely different style and the next movie an entirely different one. And watching that like period of 10 years where he was pumping out two movies a year, uh, you get like this crazy like progression of him trying out every possible style and inventing new moves and all these things. Like things down to like in Alphaville, there was that shot where they were eating or something at a table and just hands were on the sides, but you didn't see their bodies. Mm. And like that sort of um, fragmentation oh. is a big interesting thing that he does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was visually pretty unbelievable. Great. Mm -hmm. I would totally watch it again just totally. for the visuals. Yeah. Um, part of the style in this particular movie is there's almost no artificial lighting, and Godard would sometimes use it depending on the movie, but everything is dark because a lot of it's nighttime, so he just used super high-speed film stocks. Mm -hmm. um, oh, cool. So that's why, like, there's deep shadows and, like, a lot of play of light. You can There's, like, a scene where they're playing with a light bulb, yeah. mm -hmm. like, intentionally to kind of show off what they're doing with, mm -hmm. the, with the lighting of the movie. Dogma 65. Cool. <laughs> no. I liked a lot of the um, shots of the buildings too, with the with that thematic music in the background. Like I, I wish I could I could just expound on that, but it's just so cool and very interesting. Mm -hmm. Like just just kind of you know aiming the camera at one side of the building and just kind of swinging it across the other with with all this like suspenseful music in the background. It makes amazing. An, yeah, it makes an oppressive future out of nothing. You it, know, it was great. All you need is that building and the music and the that's all lighting, you need. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of smooth twisting around. You know, corridors are like. You're saying following a car as it goes out and then following it as it moves past a wall and then it comes out on the other side. But the some elevator. of that stuff I found nauseating. The elevator. I was the, like, yeah. the camera guy must have been like on the outside of the elevator or yeah. through glass at one point, mm -hmm. but like following them up and then out. Yeah. The, the camera attached to the rotating door at the front of the hotel. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. This is a part in the beginning where the elevator goes down. And uh, there's, like, it looks like it's transitioned. Like, the camera also went down the elevator. The, I mean, there, there's a cut there, but it's almost completely un imperceivable. It's like the camera went all the way to the floor, and then the other camera was at the top of the ceiling. <laughs> and it, mm -hmm, continued down. That's cool. That's cool. It's, uh, those are French, just regular old French buildings, huh? That's the, they had the future in 65. <laughs> Supercomputers. It almost seems vintage um, for 65. Well, oh. When you think about other things that were coming out, just because he chose black and white, he chose some mm. stylistic choices that seem classical. It feels like the past's idea of the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Ret retro futuristic? Yeah. I really liked a lot of... Um, Small details like costumes and stuff. She was wearing like, a lot of like Peter Pan collars and things, um, and all the trench coats that the men were wearing. And um, those are very like noir. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. She had nice costumes. He didn't <laughs> want to take off that trench coat. <laughs> Actually, every time he did, something happened where he had to put it back on. Her like, clothes were kind of mod, which mm -hmm. was a really of the era. But uh, other things seemed really like they could have taken place in the forties or something. I believe she would often pick her own costumes and stuff. I mean, partially just because I 
probably Gadar just let her do whatever for the most part, except when he didn't. Yeah. I know about certain things in the movie, like the numbers on the backs of... It seemed like it was only on the back of women's necks. I mean, what the heck was that even about? Is that explained? Well, there was... There was I don't think it's explained. Yeah. There was, like, some statistic that more men were killed than women. So maybe... It, I mean, this is me just, you know, supposing maybe they were just keeping track of all the women because there was more of them. I don't know. I don't know. So maybe each of them were like, oh, had some computer database number a tattooed on them or something. Men are scum, so that makes sense why more men would die. It was what, every 30, 30 men to one women were executed? Mm-hmm. They go swimming. Yeah. Yep. I thought it was a little misogynistic, but I think everything oh. is of that time period. It was. So I'm not, I'm not bothered by it or anything, but there were a few parts where it was like, these are just like placeholders. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are just objects in the room. <laughs> yeah, Godard definitely has a very um sometimes complex, sometimes fairly simple uh sort of relationship with, you know, uh feminist ideas and so on. I would say that in some of his better, more complex movies like uh uh Contempt, um there's a very real case to be made that um uh Godard is fully on the female character's side in that and that like he is examining his own sort of misogyny in a film like that. And then in this one, it's probably a bit more simple that he's just sort of, you know, not really suppressing that. Although I do think things like him saying that the uh, only one in 40 uh, women or like out of all the people executed, only one in 40 is a woman. I think uh, that's implying something about like the, the men crack quicker from, from this system. Stronger. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Or more manipulative. Manipulative. How do you say that word? Manipulative. <laughs> manipulative. Manipulative. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Women can be easier. You think the women are more malleable or the men? Yes, the women. He, he definitely has a thing where, like, Anna Karina is always like this, um, that, like, for him, like, obviously women are often, like, equated by Anna Karina in his film, since she is always, like, the female star. Mm. And she is often sort of the, um, um, uh, image of innocence and of goodness that mm-hmm. needs to be protected and sort of saved. Like, the only thing of value in Alphaville, basically. Right. So, which is, you know, essentially a somewhat misogynistic idea at its base, but also, um, you know, sort of the best Godard could muster in that in that sense. Yeah, all those other women were level three seductresses or <laughs> paperweights or art pieces. Or they were um uh executioner. Oh yeah. Bikini <laughs> executioners. Yes. Essentially. Yeah. There was that Aquatic one like, soldier assassins. lady just standing there in one Oh spot. yeah, yeah, there was one lady soldier. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, I I think in Godard's world, yeah, uh women are often um uh, sort of, as you said, placeholders, or you know, very often they are prostitutes in in many of his movies. Uh-huh. But he also, um, he also makes almost all of his male characters into like impotent cads that are. <laughs> he he has a lot of cruelty towards anyone who he sort of either names with his own name or sort of equates with himself. He is relatively cruel to in his movies. Mm. I honestly expected a part where. 
Mr. Alphaville there. Uh, what was his character's name? Well, are you talking about Lemmy? Yes, Lemmy. Lemmy Caution or or his his pseudonym <laughs> or what he went by, I- Ivan Johnson. Yeah, what Motorhead <laughs> said. Ivan. Uh, Ivan Johnson. <laughs> Ivan Johnson, right here. Mr. Johnson. Yes. I, I mean, he was. that's what I was expecting him to be like. He's impotent. That's why he doesn't sleep with any of the level three seductresses. Mm, interesting. But I don't know. It's all about love and poetry. What was, what was with that one guy who just like really wanted to get with that lady and then he just died <laughs> on his bed? Do you guys remember that part? <laughs> I, I, did he die or was he just like I taking think that's a nap? The weakness of like opening your feelings. He still oh, had needs, but he'd rather die his way <laughs> than be executed. I guess. Okay, so he died in the loving arms of his level three seductress, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what happened? I think that was a level two. Oh, level two. Oh, okay, okay. He had a be- he had one beer. He opened his closet and stared at his picture of astronauts or E equals MC squares, whatever was in there. E equals MC squared. <laughs> that seems like another thing. Like I don't need to know what light light years actually represent. Yeah. If I want to do science, it sounds science-y. Uh, E equals MC squared. Right. <laughs> he threw that in, he threw that in a couple times. And yeah. Sud. I, I like sud. the scientists just sort of like walk around in circles with clipboards. Yeah, like, that's all they do. It was pretty realistic as far as their universe is concerned well i mean well, i mean you're in a world where the where the, the computer rules you and you're the you're supposed to be the smart guy i would definitely lay low too with my key with my my clipboard i'd be like i'm just gonna just lap the building the a couple times <laughs> hopefully they'll leave me alone what else do you want from me Science. i think it was yeah kind of taking some shots at the system but like in a way, in a way, it really seemed like uh, kind of like Twilight Zone ish too. Yeah, like kind of. Uh, oh yeah, I but could, definitely I see that. with the style and like beauty and romance that like Godard brings. Mm-hmm. If it had been more, if it had been an actual Twilight Zone episode, then uh, Lemmy there would have been like, "You people are all mad, mad. I'm going to fix everything." Yeah, true. That's true. There wasn't was like, like an American hero <laughs> moment. He, there. he was unflappable in this movie. Like, not, <laughs> he was pretty sure he was going to get it done. <laughs> there was definitely not a moment of, of hesitation or anything. <laughs> no. He just like it seemed like he could like at the end he in the spectacular show of violence just kills everybody <laughs> like a lot of people. It seems like he could have done that at any point if he decided yeah. that it was time. Yeah, you know where this guy is? No, bam, you know. <laughs> Bam. He like Alpha Sixty tells him like you cannot escape and he's like yes I will and then next he, he, he just blows through the door <laughs> he just collapses <laughs> it. that door is in trouble. Like, oh my man. god! Speaking of doors, I was laughing so hard right then. <laughs> that oh part god. in the beginning where he goes through like three plate glass doors in a row. <laughs> he's he's he a just like throw, to go yeah. Around, yeah. How does it happen? Does the guy run through or does he throw the throw him? Through no, I, I think he's yeah he's like. Trying to get out without getting shot. And so 
that assassin comes out of nowhere. Like yeah. it seems he's just going to the bathroom and we're not we don't feel like anything's gonna happen, and then that guy pops up. Yeah. That, that room is is just like super easy to sneak into and hide in because later uh, Anna Karina does the oh, same yeah. thing where she's she's hiding behind a door that it cuts to him going into a room deeper into his apartment and, and she's, she's also behind, behind that, that door too. That was three times. Yeah. <laughs> three times that happened. It was really cool though. Like uh, from it there I believed I was like, oh, there are multiple copies of her. She's must be an android or something. <laughs> I figured it out. Okay, see, that's, Cylon. that's something that they learn when they when they're absent of their emotions that the, that the uh, Alpha Sixty teaches them, and he finally learns it at the end. That's why when he's rescuing her finally from Alpha Sixty's interrogation, he just like slowly rises from the. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He did that weird, like... Elevator thing. Elevator trick. <laughs> Hiding behind someone's couch, acting like they're going down the floor. They both that way, too. <laughs> yeah, they it's, both... It's such a funny, like, low-budget way to, like, all right, this going to be an elevator here, guys. Exit. <laughs> There's no door. Go yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the door. There's no door right there. Uh, I, I was really impressed with how Lem- Lemmy Caution... Um, how he dispatched the gentleman who was smoking next to a car. Uh, there was a moment where, like, he, like, b- smacked him in the head, rolled his head up into the window, yeah, right. and then drove over his head. And- <laughs> yeah. But there was, like, three different ways he took it's, this guy. <laughs> it's completely fragmented and then also fragmented in such a way that, like, there's no logical way that it could occur. <laughs> that was yeah. my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that was absolutely my favorite this part. This old man's not going to be able to take this, this <laughs> giant person here. <laughs> All all of the violence is done in that same way that, um, like, it's so fragmented that it's kind of shocking, even though it's not, there's nothing explicitly violent. At one point, just a guy who's clearly alive has blood dripping down his head, <laughs> and we're meant to take that as, like, he's been like, dispatched. Right, Finished, he got shot yeah. right around the noggin. Or, so he, or he was talking to that voice, and it made his head bleed the black <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was he called him the fifth element? Do you remember the name of the the big space thing? No. Zorg is talking about it. It had some planet designation, I think. Oh, yeah. It was like Mr. something. Mr. Oh, Oh, well, it doesn't matter. A different movie. But I did see all kinds of things that made me think of movies that came later. Like, obviously, I felt like there was some Blade Runner going on. I could see that. I did feel some Fifth Element going on. I felt. uh, I can't. Oh, man, now I'm drawing a blank. This is why you're supposed to take notes, Joel. Aaron, you took notes. What do your notes say? Uh, I think we pretty much discussed everything on my notes. All right, throw them away. You <laughs> can't cheat off Aaron's notes oh, this man. time. I, I know that George Lucas was a bit of a Goddard fan, although I don't know how much this had to do with maybe with uh, uh, maybe. THX 1138 or something. But. Maybe going through the Death Star? <laughs> you know? I don't see many similarities between, yeah. but it, it, maybe I'm just not. I didn't. I need more experience, wait, maybe wait, wait, with Goddard. Like there was that part where he was in the cab with the guy, and then the the guy was like, "Okay, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, the Chewbacca noise." So you're saying, "No, no, I can't do a Chewbacca noise. I don't know what that was." <laughs> it was a Chewbacca noise, Joel. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That was good. Okay, turn off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
Oh man! I did like <laughs> that's <laughs> after he's shooting people when when he uh, that makes murder the guy in the police car take him there and he's like, <laughs> "Wait here for me." Blam, blam. <laughs> Oh yeah, stand right there. <laughs> oh man, that's not gonna work. I liked when they acknowledged that they loved each other, and they were just like throwing shapes for a minute. Oh like, yeah. Oh, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. That was way cool. Like some music video in the middle of the movie. <laughs> that was a great montage and visually yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> cut that out and get it to my art class. <laughs> It was very experimental. I like mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh, the other one that was reminding me of, which w- would have been an influence on this, I suppose the other way around, was, uh, is it Just Imagine? Or the one where they, they, like, wake up the Swedish guy in the future? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, obviously they had emotions there, but there was... <laughs> It's just a. Uh, oh, I almost forgot about that movie. Oh, how could you? I huh? never swat a fly. Sorry, dude. It's national craze. I, uh, gonna say. Remember all the when they went to the Mars and there were all those women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was some cool scenes. Quite a. Some interesting quite a dance fiesta. scenes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back to taco sauce. You're gonna hate this comparison, but it kind of made me. Think of uh, Buffalo '66. I don't hate that comparison. Uh, well, it's it's him taking I, from it, not the the other. It doesn't say anything about Godard. I just but, hate that movie. I don't. Yeah. Hate it. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that part where they're like, "We're spanning time in French." <laughs> no. So Lemmy Constantine, the actor, did like a bunch of movies as this character as a. Uh, uh, let me caution. Let me caution. And uh, like this is definitely the outlier among them. Most of them are just like noir thriller things. So I don't. I don't know how many of them there are. Like, five or something. Hmm. But like, imagine like making a bunch of conventional noir films and then agreeing to like this crazed <laughs> madman to like do it again, but in space, That's and so then cool. like being subjected to this. Like, I wonder. Like, he seems pretty game the whole movie to just yeah. sort of, like, go with whatever's being thrown at him. But, uh, I mean, it's pretty wild. Like, yeah. I can't think of a similar situation in today's movies. Maybe if, like, like for some reason someone offered Vin Diesel to reprise his, like, Fast and Furious character, but in space, doing philosophy. <laughs> like, on a teeny tiny budget. Mm, that's like, weird. Like it could it seems wild that like he would go for it. <laughs> trying yeah. to, trying to think of anything that seems like that. According to his IMDb profile, he freaking did one as far as 1991 where he was playing the character. <laughs> wow. Oh so yeah, he just yeah. went right back to it. Yes. Yeah. Well, Maybe he, he felt more comfortable because he kind of already had that character as a skeleton that he could bring yeah. to the picture. 1989 TV movie, wow. Yeah, for sure it would be at least some sort of, like, anchor to go off of when you're, I feel when like you're in situations <laughs> with a swimming pool execution yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so over the top. I don't even know what to compare that to. <laughs> it's, it's its own thing. Yeah. Like, I couldn't think. Well, because, like, like, in my head I was sitting there and I was like, they're, they're going to have to drain that pool, like, all the time. In the future, like, they don't have blood. 
blood. Yeah, they oh, to. The computers have removed all your blood. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Not with those soft bullets. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. The bullets are soft. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. They just drown in them, and they scoop the bodies out. At the end, when Alpha 60 is, like, dying, like, all they do is, like, invert the colors or invert the uh, black and white every once in a while and have people, like, clinging to walls as though they have no more, like control or anchor or anything that that was that was pretty solid in my in my mind i was like yeah you know if, if the computer intelligence that was ruling over me died i'd probably grip the wall too or yeah i think were they, were they kind of like running down the hallway kind of weird too or yeah yeah we get it pretty yeah. quickly like what's like no what it means uh, solarization right that's what you call that and then when the inverting the black and white yeah, solarization's kind of a process where you expose um you expose the film to like chemicals at the same time as you kind of use light to. Right. And um it makes the it makes the image partially its normal way and partially um the opposite. Hmm. Oh, okay. Partially dark inverted to light. Huh. Yeah. I, w- I will say though that it was really funny that like everything was coming to an end the world was com- you know Alphaville was coming to an end but like when they were casually walking to their car you could see like traffic just yeah. going by like everything was normal we're like shutting down the street here <laughs> no nope. we're nope. even like, gonna bother turning the camera so we can't see this nope. yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody color it out yeah we can't afford that um there's there's a story of Godard like um they they shot half of, on a different movie. They shot half of a scene and then they like came back a few more a few days later and filmed the other half. And then they realized that someone wasn't wearing the same jacket. Uh-huh. And then but the scene was one continuous scene. Um, and Godard said that oh well between cuts he will simply have changed his jacket. And there you go. So the scene well, the scene plays like she says something like oh where are you going and then he's wearing one shirt and then he turns to her and says oh I'm going out and he's wearing a different shirt <laughs> like, like there's not even an attempt to like fix it <laughs> what do you That's think funny. I'm going dressed like this <laughs> looking good magic <laughs> amazing I like that part where they were talking about the I don't know if it was the previous ways they used to execute people with like making them sit in the theater seats oh yeah dumping them out it just shows the the, the rotating uh, holy crap like what was the purpose like did they didn't build that for that movie right I I'm, I'm pretty sure that, like yeah that's some sort of yeah I guess storage thing for the seats I guess yeah. but he must have like seen that and been like and just had an imagination attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. I can use that. <laughs> There's a lot of that sort of, like, reappropriation of the present, of weird things in the present to make make a future. And it works out. I dig yeah, it. I dig I it. it Except for the giant computers. <laughs> uh, be- I was saying when we were watching the movie, I just saw hidden figures, and that's... NASA gets like the big IBM for the first time in that movie, and it, you know it looks almost exactly the same there. And, and they even have the dot, dot matrix thing. Oh, that cool, stuff. cool, my fave, mm-hmm. my fave. Yep, yep. Know what to get you for Christmas? Dot matrix printer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else anybody else wants to talk about about this one? I'm satisfied. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Yeah. No, it really is. And I don't think it's as impenetrable as the other two Godard that I've seen. Like, I think that a person could 
uh, just watch this mm-hmm. on a whim. Are you are you guys interested in more Godard? Movies? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. You want like more impenetrable or like close to this? I'll take whatever, but um, but for the I, audience' sake, let's say close to this. I mean, I guess the the obvious thing is Breathless, since none of you guys have seen that one, is like the uh, key movie, and then um, pretty close to the same era is uh, um, a Band Apart or mm-hmm. Band of Outsiders. Which uh, also stars Anna Karina and mm-hmm. is uh, very like focused plot wise, but still has this. It's similar to this where like the plot makes sense if you if you pay attention. It does make sense, and um, there's a lot of innovation in it and a lot of crazy like camera moves and this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those two are uh, the best sort of coherent ones. And then when you want to go full bore craziness, like go for something like Weekend. Which um, weekend is his last movie before he sort of uh, uh, went completely wild and uh, like after he filmed that movie, he told his longtime crew like, "Go find other work. We're not going to make anything." And then he resurfaced like two years later as like a like a Maoist uh, Marxist and uh, uh, wanted to make movies entirely on videotape mm. and uh, and produced works that are not often seen because they're uh, far from narrative. And, uh, but weekend is him at his full like that's the good stuff he's 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 very very angry throughout all of weekend so if you're ever like very angry and uh want to hear like <laughs> a long political screed against everything weekend is that and <laughs> i just watch the news for that stuff uh, uh-huh. nowadays too true too true mm-hmm. too true you're too true thank you yeah. Soon we will all live in Alphaville. Yep. <laughs> Please take away my emotions. I don't need them anymore. I would appreciate some logic. Also remove some words <laughs> for our government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess it, it almost makes Alphaville look kind of better, huh? Yes. <laughs> like it's, it has become preferable. We've gone the opposite direction. <laughs> Somebody showed this to the administration and now... I, yeah, I could think have. of a few people who should dive off the deep end <laughs> of a swimming pool. I assume you mean... With some bullets. Them liberals. No, that's right, man. That's right. <laughs> I feel like... Um, I'll go to the commie cast. Um. <laughs> the scientists in charge or whatever, that they... They had these like principles in the beginning, and then they just turned into like corrupt puppets the same way any other power would, yeah. any other form of ruling would. Yeah, totally. Know. Uh, you know, uh, one one thing I I got the feeling that Doctor Nosferatu, Doctor Von Braun, whatever, <laughs> was not. One of the puppets, since he seemed to be the man in charge, the man he was. Well, like, his photo was everywhere. Invented Alpha. <laughs> his photo was everywhere, man. Yeah. Any room you walked into, you could see him on the wall. Wait, this. Oh, I just realized that. Um. What's that Christian Bale movie with the gun kata? Uh, Christian Bale. Oh, you talking Equilibrium? Yeah. Equilibrium is a remake of this movie. <laughs> No, that's not true. <laughs> you're gonna have to you're gonna have to draw out some some, some chalkboard. Uh, I think this was one of the earliest. Emotions. This was one of the earliest sort of 1964 or 1984 type um, 
dystopia movies, I think. One of the earlier ones, anyway. Yeah. Gattaca. <laughs> no, those guys are basically emotionless. Right? Yeah. Yes. I'm trying to think of other ones, but I know there are. Mm. I, I've seen at least three with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Call her up right now. <laughs> mom, what, what are those movies? Mom, you're live on the podcast. Oh <laughs> Without the emotions in the future. <laughs> All right, I'm going to wrap this thing up here. Um, you guys, I'm going to ask you a lesson that you learned from this movie. So oh, think no. think about that. Oh, boy. I know oh, no. it was in French, so I expect your lesson to also be in French. Uh, okay, here we go. Email any suggestions or comments you have to please don't podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or the podcast of your choice. Give us a like on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash pdsmios. And if you subscribe to us on iTunes, please leave us a star rating. Thank you. Uh, special thanks to David DeRoy for our theme music, Jed Dowtry for our podcast logo, and to Spencer Seams and our families for all the support. Couldn't do what we do without you. Please don't send me an hour space as a proud member of the Ear Trumpet Audio Network. Let's talk about the As If podcast, which has just returned from a hiatus. Used to be a 90s exclusive podcast, and now they are just talking about one subject, but whatever they want, which is... It's great to have a freedom from previously being stuck on one subject. But uh, they've got two new episodes since they've relaunched, and uh, I think you should check them out. Randall, you have a website you want people to go oh, to? Oh, yes. Um, so my newest uh, film, The Monsters Without, is uh, going to be uh, filming in February, late February through March. And uh, we do have a website. It's www.monsterswithout.com. You should check it out. We've got our uh, pitch trailer on there along with a link to our Kickstarter, which will probably be closed by the time you're hearing this. But uh, there's going to be all kinds of uh, updates and cool stuff on there. Uh, on there, there are links to our Facebook and Twitter. You should follow on there. Uh, just in general, you should get obsessed with my movie, The Monsters Without, I, as quickly I'm, as possible. I am so excited. I just saw the trailer myself, and it looks so cool. Excellent. It's cool. good to hear. We'll talk about updates on this, too, and I'll put links in there. Cool. Awesome. All right. Enough of your lollygagging. Give me a lesson. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. My lesson from the movie uh, Alphaville is that uh, it, once I get a smartphone, whenever that day happens, I hope that I can change Siri's voice into Alpha 60s. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I learned. I, I need a little bit of that. that, that I, I will pay attention to that voice whenever it tells me something to do. <laughs> Go this way. Turn left. Sorry, I didn't understand what you said. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was guiding you. <laughs> Make a U-turn. <laughs> Why not? Mm-hmm. Sarah, do you have a lesson? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my lesson is doesn't matter what you look like, you... Still might end up with the prettiest girl in town. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell people that. <laughs> that's mean. That's mean. No, I, 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 no, no diss to that guy, whatever. But oh. I, I don't think he had to be wildly charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> to get her. <laughs> mm. She was just attracted to his incredible hard-boiledness. Yes. And his poetry. <laughs> fully <reading>. boiled. <laughs> yeah, he did what, He did win her over with poetry, right? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> my soft-boiled detective movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Randall, have you thought of a lesson? Uh, I guess just if you think of a good riddle, uh, keep it to yourself, because you might have to uh, someday defeat an omnipotent supercomputer. Oh, and yeah. that's, they hate those. Yeah. True. It's like a plot line in one of the Dark Tower books, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, totally. Uh, hmm, I wonder. Probably not, but who knows. <laughs> that was influenced. All right, Joel, do you have a lesson? No, I don't have a lesson. Well, you should probably come up with one right now. My lesson is that you should take an actual lesson from this movie and other things like Primer, wherein that if you want to make a science fiction movie, you actually don't have to be that futuristic. You could just say things are in the future. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it works out pretty well if you've got a good script. Point in a storage container and say, it's a time machine. That's right. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> also, ladies make terrible paperweights. Yeah. It's probably not. I don't know why that lady I don't know why she was desk. standing on that desk. I still don't know. It's part of her seductress charm. Um, she must have been in level four. <laughs> oh, she was beyond what we could perceive. So, uh, we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for guesting with us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for Randall. having me. Thank you. I'm so happy. EartrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear.